Hello, church. I'm glad to be back. And uh, today we're going to continue our series on the Apostles' Creed. Uh, last week, Maria spoke on uh, I Believe in God, the Father Almighty. And today I'm going to be talking about I Believe in Jesus Christ. Let us recite the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew 16. I'm reading verses 13 through 17 from the English Standard Version. This is Matthew 16, 13 through 17. Hear the words. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, Some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Lord Father, we just thank you for this day that we can come to you and hear your word. Lord God, I, I, I thank you for your word and, and you speak to us every day. I thank you that we can come to your throne of grace by the blood of Jesus. Lord, we, we praise you. I ask that the words that come on my mouth are from you, Lord. Let it be your words, not mine. Let us have good hearts, good soil, Lord, to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As a conference planner for my company, I meet many speakers. Most of them are not well known because mostly they talk about logistics. However, we usually get one or two keynotes that are pretty well known. One that I remember was from my first conference seven years ago. It was Lou Holtz, the, the great college football coach at Notre Dame and, and later at South Carolina. The, the reason I remember him in particular is because he was so welcoming to talk to and always remembered my name. I had to make sure that he was mic'd, uh, escort him around to make sure he knew where to go and things like that, and he met a lot of attendees that day. And it was cool that he always called me by my name that day, and he didn't have to. You know, there is somebody famous that already knows your name, and he would like you to know him personally. He is Jesus. In today's passage, Jesus and the disciples are in, are in nor northern Israel in Caesarea Philippi, a very immoral and, and pagan city. 
And it is there that Peter declares Jesus as Christ, the Son of God. And, and later in the chapter, that after what was covered in, in our verse for today, it is there that Jesus empowers the church and changes Peter's name to Peter from Simon. You know, as Christians, our belief in Christ is important. When we declare Jesus as our Savior, we get to know our Creator and draw into the work of Christ from heaven daily into our hearts every day. And if you look around to all that the events that have been going on, especially these past couple of weeks, we sure need Jesus in our hearts. And here are three lessons for us all as, as we learn in, today in, in, from this passage. And I will close with a central message too. But if you'd like to take notes, uh, please do. And the first point is, Jesus wants you to know him. Jesus wants you to know him. Verses 13 through 15. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? So we come to a pivotal moment in the life of the disciples. Jesus, after performing many miracles, takes them away from the crowds, and he asks two questions. First, who do people say that I am? And the second, who do you say I am? You see, Jesus has been with these 12 men, and they have obeyed his call and believed his promises, and God brings them here to confess their faith. You know, I am someone with, with full of questions. My wife laughs at me when I talk about my friend back in Savannah. When we had conversations with each other, we just basically asked questions. Nothing too deep, just regular questions. In fact, my dad will always laugh at me on road trips because I would always ask him lots of questions. And it did not matter that I had answers to these questions. It was just fun to, to ask. However, some questions need to be answered. And this question that Jesus asks needs to be answered. And here's the question he asked them and he is asking us today. Do you know me? Jesus is asking, do you know him? You see, it's more than knowing about Jesus. It is knowing Jesus. You know, many of the people that thought Jesus was John the Baptist or Elijah and Jeremiah, they knew a lot about religion, but they didn't know Jesus as the Christ. How many of us go through the motions of church, but yet our hearts are far from God? We need to believe. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And 1 John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, and his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And do you know what's beautiful about knowing Jesus? It does not matter what race you are, how much money you have, how much Bible you know, 
your age, how much people like you, or how far off track you think you've, you've fallen. Jesus accepts you by grace if you believe. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So Jesus is asking you if you know him. If he saw you today, would he say your name? Knowing Jesus is more than having the right check marks of religion. Knowing Jesus does not make you more religious, but living a life that we were meant to live, an abundant life. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Today, if you have not answered this question of who do you say Jesus is, say, He is my Lord. Jesus is Lord. And it comes to my second point. Love and truth comes through Jesus. Love and truth comes through Jesus. Verse 16, Simon Peter replied, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, this moment is like when you have kids and they have passed a test or answered a question rightly. Jesus seems full of joy that Peter's declaration of Jesus was from faith given to him by God. This was truth and love for us all. The truth because Jesus is the way to the Father and love because God sacrificed his son for us all to be the final death we needed to be right with him. What we get in Jesus is the answer to our questions and love to fill our hearts. Have you ever noticed on social media that you can cast out your opinion on what you think is true, and usually you'll find people that agree with you by, by the likes. Sometimes we can take a small point, and usually, okay, all right, I need to rewind. Sometimes we can take a small point from truth and support our belief, and sometimes what you get is the half-truth. After all, the truth hurts, and sometimes we cannot handle the truth. And sometimes folks throw the hard, cold truth on the screen, no matter if they hurt anyone. In that position, truth is valued over love. Then again, if you value love over truth, one might run from truth and fear of hurting someone and kind of adopt a kind of pluralism where all truths are equally valid. Only Jesus can get us out of that fight. 1 John 4, 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So love is the reason, and Jesus, the truth, was the result. Love should be our response in having Jesus. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in aspects and to him who is the head, even Christ. And and 2 Timothy 2.24-25 says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. 
God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of truth. So how can we speak truth and love to this hurting world right now? How can we share the hope of Jesus to a world that needs him? How can we be loving to those hurting around us? We need to ask the Holy Spirit these questions. Questions like, what can I learn from people that are different from me? What kind of conversations can I have with those hurting in my community? And you see, it's not a position to where we're correcting views different from us, but we listen and be with our brothers and sisters in Christ, showing kindness and not being quarrelsome. You know, Jesus often went to the marginalized of Israel and had conversations with them, whether it was the mixed race lady that was seen as an outcast or the sick leper or the adulteress caught in the very act. Jesus showed compassion, kindness, and himself to everyone. And we all need Jesus. Do what he modeled. Be accepting of a person different than your skin color. After all, we are all made in the image of God. Try to understand different views from people that have different opinions than you do. After all, everyone's experience is different. But God could use that very road to lead them to himself. Or forgive. We must all forgive those who hurt us as we ourselves are forgiven by God. So love and truth comes through Jesus. And this brings me to my third and final point. God brings us to Jesus. God brings us to Jesus. Verse 17, And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is a great verse on, on how Peter came to faith. It was not through human institution or the teaching of the scribes, but God drawing Peter to Jesus. It is a blessing that God reveals Jesus to us by drawing us to him. He draws in everyone and knocks on the door. And once Jesus is accepted for who he is, God never lets go. Through Jesus, we get reconciliation with our creator. Since we were born, we searched high and low for peace because of sin. And when Jesus is found, we find that peace. And the beauty is, God never lets us go. In the 11th century, King Henry III of Bavaria grew tired of court life and the pressures of being a monarch. He made an application to Prior Richard at a local monastery, asking to be accepted and spend the rest of his life in the monastery. He said, Your Majesty, said Prior Richard, do you understand that the pledge here is one of obedience? That will be hard because you have been a king. I understand, said Henry. The rest of my life I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Then I will tell you what to do, said Prior Richard. Go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God has placed you. When King Henry died, a statement was written. The king learned to rule by being obedient. In John 6:65, Jesus said, This is what I told you, that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my Father. 
And John 6.37 says, All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. So God calls us to Jesus. And if we have answered, Jesus never lets us go. Do you see the beauty in all this? Here it is. This verse is right here. It shakes us out of our self-reliant, self-exalting, self-absorbed presumptions that we saved ourselves. But in fact, it was God's grace. We cannot produce the want to come to Jesus without God's help. And God's sovereign and undeserved grace is behind all of it. It breaks down all of our assumptions that it's our effort. God caused us to believe in Jesus. We have to answer that call and believe. If God calls us all, what does that mean for you and me? Have you believed in Jesus, your Savior? Ask God to help you believe. What about the church? If God calls everyone to Jesus, then that breaks apart any presumption that this is a religion for any certain type of race, economic status, educational status, age, or any other groups of people. Christ is for all, and we must reach out to anyone in our area, no matter how they look. What does that mean for this country? Christ calls us to a life where we love each other, listen to each other, and make sure all people know that they are valued because God values them. We as Christians can be that bridge to the unbeliever and Jesus just by being that conduit of God's love and forgiveness to each other. So God brings us to Jesus. As I close, I was thinking and praying long and hard this week about what is the central message. The central message to a hurting world. What is the message as we see COVID-19 and the resulting loss of life and livelihoods? What is the central message as we see hurt in, in our country, in this world? What is the message as we see the death of George Floyd, the death of Ahmaud Arbery, and the death of some police officers? What is the message as we see violence, greed, fear, and disregard for human life? I keep coming back to this answer, and here it is. We need Jesus. There's no doubt we have seen social injustice for a long time, and we should fight it. But I think Jesus would would see something deeper going on. That is sin. And that is why Jesus came into this earth to die on the cross for our sins, a disease we have been dealing with in every generation. And Jesus modeled how we should treat each other with the utmost respect, love, and regard for life. Christ can only save this dying world if he is in the hearts of men and women. If every person approached our problems with Christ's help, Think of the ways we could listen and talk with each other because of his love in our hearts. The gospel is good news, and it needs to be proclaimed today. If we want Christian behavior in the streets, we got to have Christian belief in our hearts. Otherwise, the church would be playing doctor and patching social ills here and there because we never have the cure, and that is what the great physician of hearts can do cure the hearts of people, and that is Jesus Christ. He must be central to our message, so more hearts are converted, 
and we can get to talking to each other and understanding and fulfilling his command to love each other as ourselves. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that we can come to you by faith and believe you, Jesus, our Savior. And if anyone here that does not know you, Lord, that's listening, I pray that they say this prayer. Dear Father, I accept Jesus into my heart. I want you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life and to walk with you. Lord, thank you by the blood of Jesus that I am saved. Lord Father, I pray for this church. I pray that we will be not only a symbol of you, but of love for each other and the community, Lord, and to point to you and your glory. Lord Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.